welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. It's great to be in church. Everyone happy to be in church? It's great to be here. So many good things happening. Mainly you. You're the good things. You're the good ones. So lovely to be together, isn't it? We're so blessed to have each other. So blessed to love one another. You find your people, you find your destiny. That's what I believe. Because we work together in a team. Can't play hockey alone. Can't do life alone. Hallelujah. So as Chris mentioned, we've been visiting Hudson and Lara and driving around Adelaide and checking out the, the region and look around South Australia. It's very dry down there. Boy, it's like bone brown dry. I don't know if it's like that all the time, but very dry. And so, you know, when you're on holidays, you kind of try and switch off a bit and then you just sort of, I don't know, what do you think about? That's what I th- I'm thinking about. What am I thinking about? Just cruising around? What do you all think about? I mean, what do you think about when you're on holidays, but then what do you think about all the time? So I was thinking about what I was thinking about. And uh, <laughs> because, you know, you can think about mundane things like, you know, how far to get to onto the ferry, where's the nearest wetland, I look at birds, you know, should I buy a new dress for the wedding that I, you know, my niece's wedding next week? I don't know. I must try that other dress on. Does it still fit me? That's always a thought. <laughs> but, you know, like, what am I going to wear? Well, who am I? How do I fix the leaking roof? So you might think about, you know, why, why, doesn't, that, why doesn't that person like me anymore? Who, who, you know, why does that person like me so much, I should say? <laughs> you know, you just think about random things, don't you? And sometimes you can think, people think about how to acquire more wealth. How can I, how can I do better at work? How can I, you know, gain more popularity, gain the applause of man or gain more stuff or I, want, I need this or that. And, you know, we, we have our different thoughts, mundane thoughts, emotional thoughts, a lot of plans, frustrations, negative. Sometimes we can, some people tend to the negative, saying, oh, oh, oh what's that? Oh, no, my elbow's probably falling apart. Oh, no, this one. Some people sort of switch that off and I don't want to think negative, I want to think I want to think positive, I want to think about plans. So I read a great book while I was away. It's good, you know, you've got to read books when you're away, change your thinking. So I read a great, I read several great books actually, but this one in particular I, I liked about a surgeon, Westerby his name was, a British heart surgeon. And um, it was nice to read his book because when you read a book you get into someone else's brain, what they think about. And he had this amazing career, you know, of just operating on people's hearts, you know, cutting them up. <laughs> he, said, he said heart surgery is easy. It's politics is hard, man. you know, trying to get money to do the surgery. But he, he was a pioneer and he helped to uh, work with artificial hearts. And so, you know, just reading the, the story about how he would, that, that's what he would think about. What, you know, he'd think about how can we, how can we do this? How can we, how can we get hearts to work? You know, diseased hearts, damaged hearts. So, and he'd think about, they had a, an artificial heart. And then he was like, does it have to be on the outside? Can we put it inside? And so he worked with the people and they developed this, this new artificial heart called the Jarvik 2000. And they'd, they, 
they, they, they had to find someone to try it out on. They're only allowed to try it on, out on people who are dying. So it has to be someone who's, who's just about to die because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's experimental. So he, they got someone who was dying and they, they opened him up and they put him in. And then the guy said, yep, let's do it, let's do it. He says, I'm, he was a Christian. So he says, I'm good either way. If I die, I'm going to heaven. If, they, if you keep me alive, I'm good. So they're like, great, you're our experiment. So they put the Jarvik 2000 in. And the thing is, this guy was thinking about the problem that they'd had previously. They'd tried it before, but they, they have to put an electrical cord in. Like it has to, they have to plug it in at night. You know, it's like your phone. You know, it doesn't just run forever. So that, but the, you know, the, the, this is a difficult thing because you can get infections when you've got holes coming out. So they, he figured, he thought about it, he thought, how can I do this? And he figured that the skull doesn't have a lot of infections going on. You know, it's, it's very, I don't know why, but it doesn't, there's not much going on there. So then they, they, so they open him up, they put the heart in, and then they put the electrical cord up through there. They put a little hole, drill a little hole in his skull, and they plugged it in there. And this is what, and this guy would say how he'd be driving along to operations. What am I gonna, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And this is what he would think about, which is super cool, I think. Like, what a, that's, that's a good thing to think about. How are you going to... And so they did, just to, to finish the story, they did put him in. They, the guy survived. It was amazing. He lived for years and years and years. He was the pioneer of having this heart, and they did more and more. And the only one time, it was funny, because one time he was, he had to wear his battery pack. Have to wear it, and so it plugged in, and he just had a little bag, a little cool little bag with his battery that would plug in every night. But he was portable. And then one day, a thief comes and thinks he's carrying a camera bag, and the thief just rips the bag off him and pulls the plug out of his head. And the thief's going, "Oh, what's going on?" Because he's cool. And so then he's lying there, and he's saying to people, hey, "Plug me in, good," because his heart stops instantly. He said, "Plug me in, plug me in." People are like, "What? What?" And they say, the, "The plug, plug in." There. And they're like, ah. "And this is this old woman had to kind of find the plug in there." Yeah, in there. And he's like, there's under the hair, you know, the hair's grown up. And I was like, ah. and the woman is like, what is happening? <laughs> like, can you imagine that? I, was, I just, that's just a little aside because I just thought it was such a funny image of this lady in the shops going, you'll never believe what I had to do today. <laughs> I don't know quite what happened, but I plugged someone's brain back in. Anyway, so he's got some great stories about that. So, I mean, that's a good thing to think about, you know, how you can keep people alive. That's good. So, Psalm 104, verse 34. David, the psalmist, he's a thinker. He's a thinker. And Psalm 104, I read that while I was on holidays as well. And in verse 34, he says, May my meditation be sweet to him. May my meditation be sweet, or up there you can see, pleasing to him. May my meditation. So, David is saying, I don't want to just do what's right. I want to think in a way that is pleasing to God. I want my thoughts to please God. Imagine that. Like, everything I think, God is pleased with. I mean, that's next level, isn't it? Because, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Erin's sitting on the front row. I don't know what she's thinking right now. I, I don't know if it's pleasing me or not. You know, what's she thinking? Hopefully she's thinking, good preaching girl. Like, keep it. Yeah, okay, okay, we're good. But I don't know what she's thinking. But here's the thing. God knows what you're thinking. Yeah, right? He's watching your thoughts. He knows everything. So you might say something nice with your mouth. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, thanks. I really appreciate that. But inside you're like, you know, you might have terrible things going on inside and people may or may not suss that out depending on how discerning they are. But God knows. 
God sees all our thoughts and He wants our thoughts to be pleasant and beautiful and acceptable and pleasing to Him. Now, I'm sure that so many things that we think are pleasing, like, you know, the British heart surgeon. I, I think he's pleased. I think he probably gives us some of these ideas. Some guys get some random, they say, this thought just popped into my head, you know. I think God is absolutely helping us. But the Bible is really into what we think about. It's important. And as I studied, I just, I started there, but I just found so many scriptures about it. And I've preached about this before, but just quickly, Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good report, if there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So it gives us a very particular list what to think about. This is what we should think about. So I was actually thinking about that because I was thinking about thinking. And I said to Chris, I remember we were driving the car at one point, and I said, What's noble? What's something noble? Chris goes, oh, what is something noble? Because I'm like, I want to think of something noble. He's like, what is noble? (laughs) So we both discussed and then we talked about, well, this would be a noble thing. I said, well, I'll think about that then because that's a a noble thing. So, you know, we've got to to think about good things. Philippians 3.19, many walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they boast about shameful things and they set their minds on earthly things. They set their minds on things on the earth. Let's examine that a bit more. Colossians 3.2 says the same thing, a different way. You have been raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind. So it's saying this is what you need to think. Think about things above. Romans 8.5. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So like, wow. If you're thinking about the wrong things, if your mind is thinking on the things of the flesh, the things of earth, the things of life, it says it's death. And you're like, well, how does that work? Because I've got to think about, you know, how to catch the train. And it's like, you can, it's, it's how you think about those things. Are you thinking, I want a song lead because, you know, it'd make me look good and people will hear my lovely voice. Or it's like, I just want to serve you, God, or do anything, I don't care. You want me to song lead? Okay, I'll song lead. Do you see what I mean? See the difference? I've got to go to work because I want to get money because, you know, I don't really like a new car. I need a, need a new motorbike, you know. Just saying, just putting it out there. Just a little bit of, little bit of, little bit of conviction there on the front row maybe, darling. But, um, <laughs> you know, why are you going to work? Do you go to work because you want to buy something new? Get that new dress? Get that new thing? Or just, I just want to climb the ladder? Or is it like, God, I'm, I'm going, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm going to work for you. I'm serving you. I, 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 need, I need to work for you. If I'm going to earn more money, if I'm going to make my business work, it's because I want to give more. Who can I give to? It's not because I just want to buy a big fancy house. So you do think about work, but you think about it in context of things above. The things above are the noble things, the true things, the pure things. I do, I do it because I love. I, I work hard because I want to provide for my family because I want them to be blessed. And for my church, I want to be generous for my church and get new carpets in the kids' rooms, you know, and make them look good. I, 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 that's why I do things. I, 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 I think about how to bless in my work. I think about how to love. I think, 
I think there's earthly things you can think about, but it's not, it's whether you're thinking about them in terms of selfishness and, and, and self-lust or me or my stuff or anger or what, what do they get it? Is that how you're thinking or are you thinking you set your mind on God? What's your perspective on this issue? This person's upset me. So I don't just go, oh, yeah, that'd be right. I think the way that God thinks about them. Another book that I read, it says to be carnally minded is death. And we're constantly thinking in this way, this earthly, fleshy, negative way, it says it kills us. It kills us and it does. You think about when you're all depressed and you're thinking about how depressed you are and how miserable you are and how no one loves me anymore, you get tired. You lose your energy. You've got no creativity. It kills your creativity, kills your energy, kills your, kills your inspiration. And if you keep thinking about things, you think about, oh, this could be a disease. You know, people go on and on. They'll get it. You know, they'll end up getting those. You, you, your thoughts are powerful. It's death. I read another book about uh, Belle Gibson, the woman who fooled the world. And this woman thinks about how to lie. So she's this woman you may have read about. It. She lied about having cancer, created an app called The Whole Pantry. And she, it was named the best iPhone app runner-up. It was actually runner-up iPhone app of 2013 because she had cancer, not and she cured herself by, you know, eating healthy food. Not. <laughs> she had 200,000 followers. She was given awards. There was articles written about it. Everyone, the whole world just raved about this amazing woman. The whole thing was a lie. I mean, it all got exposed eventually. But, I mean, what, like, what, what is going on in her brain? And now, what has it given her this... this Thinking that was obviously based on her getting attention or her making money or whatever, it's just killed her, killed her reputation, killed her future. I mean, the, I felt sorry for her by the end of the book. I thought, what a mess, what a train wreck. This, and so she's just thinking about self, and that led to lies and more and more. And she, so we can we can do this. We can make a mess. And it can start in our hearts and our thoughts, which are connected. We, have, we think, we feel, we feel, we think, and then we talk. And then we create, and then we do. So it's often, it's often right here where things start. So Jesus says, guard your heart, guard your heart, because out of it flow the issues of life. So, you know, when we're born again, he gives us a new heart. Maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know what, to, I don't think about God all the time, but you can. You can get born again and get a lovely new heart. And He can come in and, and teach us how to think right and help us with a new heart, start to renew our mind and teach us how, to, how can I think differently? How can I do that? Because it's a hard thing to just, just think differently. But in Jesus, he, gives us a, he can give us a new heart and a new mind, which is exciting. So we want to think about God and I want to encourage you to think about him, to think about his word, think about his works, think about serving him in all the contexts of your life, whether it's at work, at church, at uni, at, with, at home with the kids. Think about what, you know, God, how can I please God with how I look after my children? How can I make my home more beautiful for the Lord? How can I serve God better? 
Every context we think about God, we think about what does his word say about this? The Bible says something about everything. There's not nothing in this world that's not covered by the word of God. So we have an anxiety or a thought about something. What does the word say? Think about that. Don't think about the problem. Think about what's the answer? What's the word say? I love finding the answers. One of my favourite guys in the, you know, some of these old guys I look up says this in Barnes. He says, it's one of the characteristics of true piety that there is a disposition to think about God. The mind is naturally drawn to that subject. Thoughts of God fill up the intervals of business in the daytime and occupy the mind at night. There is pleasure in such meditations, happiness in thinking of God. The sinner has no such pleasure. The thought of God is painful to him. He avoids it. (laughs) Meditation of him is sweet, of his glories and excellencies and the perfections of his person, of his works of creation and redemption, of his word, the blessed truths and the gracious dealings with his people. So these old guys were talking, saying divine meditation is sweet. It's sweet to think about God. It's lovely. It's loveliness. Sometimes, you know, I think in this modern world, we just think about nothing. I'm not sure if they had this ability. I guess they did back those days. But we can just plug in, you know, and switch off the brain for long periods of time with, with you know, this. like You know, and switch, just switch, switch off the brain. You know, I see young... Young men, or young and older men, <laughs> just for hours, you know, doing this and or just watching some, I'm into Hallmark at the moment, I must say. <laughs> I finally discovered a channel that is kind of, I can watch without feeling guilty every five minutes. So it's, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit corny, but I've discovered Hallmark movies. They're like, they're really fun and corny and good and no one swears and no one does terrible things and I'm, I'm happy, my happy place. But you know, it's a bit of a switch off, isn't it? When you watch these corny movies, it's just like you're gone for a while. So thinking about nothing, I mean, I don't think that's altogether bad, but we just want to make sure that we have time to think about God, to think about him. So that brings me back to Psalm 104. David, David's a busy guy. He said, let my meditation be sweet. He had lots of wives, which is not good. He had lots of kids, which is fine. He was the king. He had lots of problems. He's got to rule the country. I think he's a pretty busy guy. And quite a lot of people want to talk to David. And yet he finds time to write poems and songs about God. So there's something to learn just in that. Really, some of you writers, you poets, like, oh, I'm too busy. I never have time. It's like, well, David found time and he wrote quite a lot, actually. And just as well, because it's his greatest legacy, the things that he wrote. So he found time. He thought that time was important to find time to just write about God. And so he did. And so in, in um, can I just have my iPad? So in the, in the Bible, Psalm 104, he's just cruising around and writing about God. And so I just want to look at how, I actually want to look at Psalm 104 and see how does David think about God? Like, how does he do it? Because it's quite, it's quite informative. Some, you know, he has different ways of doing it. Sometimes he's 
processing things before God. But this one, he's just saying, come on, soul, bless the Lord. And then verse 1, he says, you're very great. You're clothed with honour and majesty. So he's just, he just must be sitting there thinking about, what does God wear? And what kind of clothes does he wear? It's like, it's like glory. It's, just so, it's like thick glory that you can't even, it's actually becomes clothing. It's so glorious. And he says he wraps himself in light. So just by thinking about God, he's, he's coming up with these fabulous revelations. So I can just imagine David just cruising out there. He might have had his guitar because, you know, we know he played. He's just thinking about God. And then he starts to write it down. And that's, that's so good that he did that. I think it's an example for us, not just what he's saying, but the fact that he sat down, found the time. You know, Absalom's having a little rebellion against him. I don't know, Saul was, you know, Saul's family was hopefully not mucking up anymore. And he's just sitting there thinking about what God's wearing. And then he starts to get into creation. And he's just, you know, it's so exciting. He's, he's, he's obviously... He talks about the, the upper chambers, he, he, the clouds. He's thinking about how God is actually moving. He, he rides on the clouds. Where does he come up with that? How does he know that? Is that a revelation? Is he just making that up? I don't think so. This is the word. So he's thinking so much, he started to get this revelation that, you know, I reckon God actually moves on clouds, like kind of uses them like a chariot. What an extraordinary thing to, to get that revelation, to get that thought. But he had to be thinking for a while to get that. That didn't just... That didn't just come. When we spend time thinking about something, you know when you spend time thinking about something, you get more and more ideas? It's like, oh, 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 oh. Well, imagine when you think about God. What happens? You get more and more ideas about God. You get more and more thinking about what He's like and what He's like for you and how He wants to influence you. And this, I'm not even talking about praying, like, oh, God, help me, help me, help me. I'm just talking about thinking about God, just meditating on Him thinking about the way he is. And then he gets into, um, from verse 5 to 9, he gets into creation and, and geology. I love this. I love this. And because I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, geology because you go back to the flood and how it all worked with flood. If you, if you haven't ever studied Christian science, Christian geology, it's, it's very exciting. Some people struggle with the whole evolution thing. I don't think you should struggle about it. I think you should think about it. Read about it. Discover. It's exciting. God made the world. Did he do it over millions of years or not? I I don't think he did. And I think there's a lot of scriptures that say that. And here he talks about how the waters, in verse 6, look, the waters stood above the mountains. What? That sounds like a flood. There are mountains in the earth and the waters are above them? Well, that's, that's definitely a flood. There's something going on. And it's really cool because... Once you read that in the Bible, and then, we, you know, we, we went to the museum, we go to the, we were on holidays, we do things like that, you go to the museum, and, and, uh, and, the, and, and of course, you know, it, there's all these shells on the top of mountains, and there's all these strange, sea, there's fossils of sea creatures on the top, like right up Mount Everest kind of places, and they're like, how did it get there? It's like, well, the Bible says because the water was over the mountains, that's how you would get fossils of sea creatures on Mount Everest, but when you go to museums, they sort of, oh, and I actually wrote this down in, in the Adelaide Museum. The mystery of how both mud and exotic boulders came to be deposited together on the sleeve floor, well away from the ancient shoreline, is difficult. How do we answer this? How, what a mystery. And they say, perhaps a melting iceberg is the most likely means of carrying and depositing boulders great distances from the land. Perhaps, 
perhaps how did this bo how did this massive boulder get up there? Like, it doesn't. There's no water that's causing that that to. And but if you have flood geology, it all makes sense. It all it's like oh, it's a massive flood. And he says how he 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 talks about that. Um, he says that your, the water stood above the mountain. You covered it. Well, there's a spot there. I might have missed it. But he says you, laid, you cracked open the foundations. It might not be there, but it talks about cracking open the foundations of the deep. So he talks about how the, the waters which were under the earth, because, you know, like Pete's Ridge is just, you know, the Sydney Harbour under Pete's Ridge. You know that. Like it's incredible how much water is underneath us. Even this building's got, we've got a well down here. There's, there's water always underneath. So at some point, maybe the hills weren't as high as they were in now, the creation. And then he, when the flood comes, he cracks open the earth. The water's come up. This crazy flood covers the whole earth. That's when all these massive uh, geological cataclysmic things happen in the world. And that's why you see rock faces like with the sediments like this. That's why you see fossils where the creatures are lying through what is so-called millions of years. They're lying through all four of them. Why, all these why are all these fossils even there? Because all these creatures die. When creatures die, they decompose. But they form fossils if they're suddenly covered in mud and goo, like a big flood. I mean, it's just really exciting. Anyway, I won't go into all that, but it's very, very exciting. It's very, very exciting, all of this. And it's all here. This is, David's already thinking about this. this. This is something that you can think about. And then it says in verse 9, you set a boundary for the waters. And then it says that they went up over the waters, but then they came. So then God pulls the water down. It says this, at your rebuke, they fled. So then there's massive earthquakes and the mountains go, and the water's going and falling down and coming back on so that, you know, we can get rid of the flood. But then he says in verse 9, you set a boundary, they will not pass over. They will not return to cover the earth. There is a boundary for the ocean. Does that make you feel better? There's a boundary. You set it. You've set a boundary. Hello, climate change, God's in control. Don't worry, there's a boundary. They can't pass over the boundary, the waters, that is. He said, I won't do it again. So it's, it's just so exciting. And this is... Every one of these verses is like something that you can study. Verse 10, he talks about springs in the valleys. Have you ever seen a spring? It's such a beautiful thing. It's like, well, it's just water coming up. And you taste, oh, wow, it's like a super fresh water just pops out for the animals to eat. So he's thinking, isn't that lovely that God did that? Isn't that wonderful? We need to think about these things, guys. I really encourage you. Verse 12. Okay. The birds of the heavens have their home and sing among the branches. <laughs> so, yes, there's birds. There's birds in there. So David is a bird watcher. My husband loves bird watching because we go to very interesting places. I googled bird watching in Adelaide. And I found Magazine Road, Wetlands. I go, great, we're going to the Wetlands, baby. And Adelaide goes, all right, he's very patient. We're going to the Magazine Road, Wetlands. So we're just driving out into the boondocks. I'm telling you, it was like industrial city. There was not a green leaf in sight. We're just like, where are we? There's like cranes and concrete and factories. And then we're just like, okay. It was a really weird crossover railway lines. And it's just the the absolute centre of industry in Adelaide. And we're just like, okay. And then we come to a barbed wire fence. And I go, well, according to the map, it's in there, babe. And we're just like, really? There's this barbed wire fence with this kind of grotty looking weed around the edge. And we're just like, and there's no sign. We just drive up the road. 
It's like, where in the world are we? And then we see this little gap in the fence. And I go, well, it must be in there. Chris goes, all right. So we just walk into this gap. I mean, you can't imagine. It's like something out of a very weird industrial movie. You know, it's a very ugly place that we were in. Very ugly. So we walk through and sure enough, there's a wetland. Because it used to be, it's on, the, it's on the shoreline and it used to be swamp. So they've reclaimed it and then they just shoved all the water in there. It's kind of half made, man-made. They just shoved all the water in this spot. So they just created a wetland, put a few paths in there for crazy bird watchers. And I'm going, oh, this is, this is great. So Chris goes, I think I'll wait in the car and read, babe. I'm like, okay. So I'm going along. And then because and then, they've got this wetland, this, and there's no one there except us. And so I'm just wandering around. But it's so exciting because... <laughs> It is exciting because in this crazy place in the middle of this industrial horror place is a wetland and there are the birds. They've just come in. And so there was wood sandpiper, redneck stint, black winged stilt, a black winged stilt. And it's so lovely because it's sort of like a bit of an analogy of life that in the midst of this this crazy world that we live in, God, the birds will come. God will come and bless you and, and build a place of, of rest and beauty. But we've got to find that place. And it took us a bit of finding to find it. And I had prayed. I said, God, I really want to see a new bird. Like God, you know, we have, we have fun like with the bird watching. He's into it. And, and I wanted to see a new bird and I hadn't seen a new bird. And I was really keen to see this thing called a blue-billed duck. And, um, and I hadn't seen it. And so I saw all these ducks and I'm looking at this one. And it's very hard to see sometimes they hide or they they go away and they hide under there and it's like I can't see, I only see their tail or they disappear and I've been praying about it, you know, and then, and then this one duck, I mean, he's a bit different, that's not a Eurasian coot, what is it? I'm just looking, looking, looking and this bird's just cruising around and then it's like he just turned for me and he turned and looked at me and the sun just went ding off his bill and it was bright sparkling blue and I'm like yes it's a blue-billed duck I'm so excited I'm like yes and it's such an amazing blue bill like it's so cute and and you know there it is and you've just got to enjoy it and and God I knew that God it was like there's your new new bird because you know I've got the book I'm ticking them all off as I go around Australia and I'm just, it's so exciting. And I just want to encourage you because I know you can all laugh at me like, ha ha, isn't it funny? I know you are actually laughing at me. I'm standing here and you're not laughing with me. You're laughing at me. (laughs) There is a difference. I know the difference when I preach. You're actually laughing at me. But here's the thing. This is what David does. And this is the way we need to think. This is, this is what, he's written a whole psalm about the glories of nature. And let me encourage you, you know, we think about his word, we think about his works, but this is his works, his creation is so important. Why in the world did God make so many ducks? You know, why did he do that if not for us to enjoy and to see something of his amazing variety, his incredible uh, creativity? Like why a blue-billed duck? Why a hoary-headed grebe? I nearly saw one of them and I thought that would be kind of like a good word to say to someone, like if you're angry with them. Well, you're just being a hoary-headed grebe. So stop it. They were like, what? (laughs) I tried it out on Chris this morning. I said, are you a hoary-headed grebe? And he went, what are you saying to me? (laughs) Bird names. That's another thing. Whoever named the birds, like they were having fun, right? Like, you know, there's a red-footed booby. 
I mean, come on. I have seen a red-footed booby, and that's an image. It's just like, whoa, a crested shrike tit. How about that one? It's a bird name. It's all G-rated bird name, but I mean, they're funny names, honestly. But let me just encourage you to find your joy in God's creation. And it may be different from mine, but... but Open your eyes to what, this is what the psalm is about. It's saying, come on, enjoy. Get out there. Dale and Aaron love looking at the stars, you know, and they, they get all excited about Venus and looking at what's happening up there. And that's, I've joined in with them. And okay, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why surfers like to surf. It's, yeah, it's nice to go down the wave, but you see them, they just hang there and look at the waves. They just feel, they just love the ocean and the movement, the waves, and it's big and it's, and it's so beautiful. I think that they are actually meditating partly on the beauty of the ocean. I think fishermen are the same sometimes. I'm like, what are you actually doing out there? And I go, I get it. You're just watching the ocean. Because it's not like anything else is happening really, is it? It's just... (laughs) Now they're laughing at you, Frosty. (laughs) See? See, I've just turned it around, turned it. But, you know, but I think you're just watching, just standing out there, just enjoying, just being still, just watching the sky and the sea. So let me encourage you to, to, to enjoy. God enjoys his work. Look, verse 31, I mean, I, I've, you know, I have to stop, but it's, he talks about the grass growing, cattle. He talks about so many beautiful things, the trees. He's just enjoying trees. And this is so healthy for us to get out there and contemplate what God is making. In verse 31, he says, may the Lord rejoice in his works. Or one of them says, the Lord rejoices in his works. So the Lord enjoys looking at creation. So, so should we. And this is such a healthy way for us. This is just one of the things to think about and to enjoy and rejoice in him, to have your your meditation sweet before him. And I think that when we, we think, when we combine this and we're out there and we're thinking about he's in control, he's feeding these birds, it's okay, he's going to feed me. He's looking after the goats. He's going to look after me. He created that beautiful tree. He kept it healthy and strong for its lifetime. He'll keep me healthy and strong. Do you see? You, you get the word of God and you get, you get a new way of thinking. When we were in the uh, museum, I'm just going to finish off on this. We, um, you can get a little bit, I can get a bit blasé in museums sometimes, but we... We were looking at stuffed animals because, you know, when they're in the old days, they used to stuff animals, so they've still got them. And anyway, we're just looking at stuffed tigers, stuffed, stuffed, stuffed animals. <laughs> I'm not super into stuffed animals. But this little boy comes along and goes, wow, a tiger! And we just were like, what? And we immediately just looked at him, so cute. The wonder of a child and the excitement of a child looking at a tiger, you know? So... That's the way we need to be about God. We need to keep the wonder, keep the excitement of meditating. Let my thoughts be sweet. And so that's what some, I mean, there's a lot of things to think about that are good and healthy. And that's just one element that God thought about, that David thought about. Let us be like him. So I want the musos to come up. And I want us to think about what we think about. And I want you to do better, right? Try harder. Is that the answer? (laughs) He's like, I'm trying, I'm trying. And these terrible thoughts pop into my head. What do I do? 
We try and try and try and I can't do it, Ruth. I'm, I'm worried I'm not going to think about hoary-headed grebes tomorrow. I'm going to think about something else. It's not the answer to try harder, actually. It's not what you have to do. You have to open your heart to the Lord and you let, have to let him guard your heart and your mind. You have to give your anxious thoughts to him and let him have them and pray about them. And it says, and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. He will keep. He will keep you in perfect peace whose thoughts are fixed on him because he trusts him. When you think about God and when you realise how amazing he is in all his works, you can trust him and he will guard your heart and mind and he will keep your mind in perfect peace. He will shift you. All you've got to do is open your heart to him. Say, God, that's what I want. I want to think better. I want to be better. I can't do it. I've tried. I try. I try. I can't. I, I can't. So what we're going to do right now is that exactly that. I'm just, I'm just going to get the musos just while you're sitting there to just, I want you to just open your heart to him and have that, oh God, I'm just not going to worry about this anymore. Just give it to him. Just shut your eyes right now and turn your thinking to God and think about him in heaven, his glorious beauty, his smile, and let him guard and fix and soothe your heart and mind with his shalom, peace. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.